Welcome, family. Welcome, friends. It is your good friend, Jake Hall. Welcome to another, another episode of Unconscious. Um, we had a pretty decent, fun weekend this last weekend. Uh, big main event between Sean Strickland and Uriah Hall. Um, also had a fun Bellator event. Um, some good things, some good things going on for sure. Uh, you know, there's a few, uh, a few little rumblings going on in the world. Uh, we got, a that I was, I was pretty excited about just before we get into the kind of fight reactions and stuff. Um, man, we got the, uh, I think we got the official announcement for the Colby Covington and Kamaru Usman rematch, um, which gets my blood flowing, gets my juices flowing, if you know what I mean. Uh, I don't know if we got an official date yet for that matchup. Um, but man, I mean, the, their first fight, um, Kobe Covington and Kamaru Usman, their first matchup was one of the best main event title fights we've had in the last couple of years. Like I, I, I would vote it up there as one of the best matchups we've had because in all honesty, I don't know who's going to be Kamaru Usman right now. I, I don't know who's going to beat him. He just seems completely unbeatable right now. He just somehow, somehow, some way, he, you know, a, a lot of, he just keeps getting better. Every single fight we see improvements or we see another dimension to his game that we didn't really previously see before, or maybe that we, we all had doubts about before. And then he comes out and just shows that he's got it polished up and is able to implement it at the highest level. Um, I think a lot of people attribute that to, to tr his coach, Trevor Whitman. Yeah, yeah Trevor Whitman. Um, because being a traditional wrestler and coming in with that kind of a base, um, always had pretty good, pretty sharp uh, um, striking skills. But it, it, these guys that go over to Trevor Whitman's, who's just one of the best, uh, the best out there in the industry, one of the best coaches in the industry, um, and it just shows. He goes, gets polished up, and about takes Jorge Masvidal's head off in his last match. Uh, just, just keeps improving, keeps making, you know, and is in the game. He's at the height of his career. He's just, he's still peaking. And you can tell there, we haven't seen a lot of those signs that he's diminishing as far as his, uh, as far as his motivations for the game go, as far as his uh, intensity and, and focus in the game. You know, he's not cutting his legs out from under him, like uh, from himself, kind of like from the likes of Conor McGregor. We'll get to that a little bit later, but um, you know, just everything about Kamaru just it just shows that he's there to stay, completely dominant champion. And in all honesty, the only person who's been able to really match up with him over the last, you know, however many fights he's been on a roll now is Colby. I mean, Colby is is one of the best matchups for him, and that was as hard of a gritty fight as Kamaru's faced in anybody, and he was still able to come out on top of Colby. So. It excites me for sure. That was one of my one of my favorite title fights in the last two or three years, probably. Like in my top three fights. And I love the rematch. I'm glad we're getting it. I'm glad we're getting it. Um, you can love or hate Colby. It, it just is what it is, but you cannot deny his skills. You cannot deny that he's one of the best in the division. Probably deserves that rematch. Um, and I love it. I love it. I hope we get some I hope we just get violence. I hope we get Pure skill, great matchup. We'll see what happens. Like, no matter what, I think it should be exciting. There's always bad blood between those two. There, there's always going to be that intensity in there. Um, and I think Kamaru kind of thrives in that kind of stuff. You know, Colby obviously thrives in it. So it should be a, definitely a fun matchup. 
like I said, I don't. I think it, I'm pretty sure it's official. Pretty sure it's official, but I don't know if we have a card yet. I don't know if we have a date. Um, but uh, I will have to look into that as soon as I find it out. I'll bring it up on the next podcast. But uh, another really fun matchup that I think is mostly speculation right now, mostly uh, off of Michael Bisbing's part. That's at least where where I kind of heard the speculation because uh, he heard it through the through the uh, um, inner rings of Italian restaurants, apparently. But um, uh, coming from Michael Bisbing's uh, speculation, I think we might be getting Paolo Costa versus Marvin Vittori. Um, I can't – if that's true, if that's true, I am all about that. I'm just jonesing to get Paolo Costa back in there. I mean, Paolo Costa is one of the most exciting guys. I mean, arguably, arguably in the UFC, especially in the middleweight division. You know, and and he just got dealt with from Izzy. Izzy just been dealing with everybody, um, so it's not. I don't feel like it's that big of a deal um, on on his reputation. I mean, him getting humped by Izzy and and kind of getting humiliated in those aspects, and kind of some of his uh, his other responses to those kinds of things. You know, it might deserve some some scrutiny. But uh, but no matter what, I think he's one of the most exciting, uh, talented strikers in the in the middleweight division. Um, and, and I want to see, I want to see him come back. I just want to see Paulo Costa fight. I want him back in the octagon. I want him back in there mixing it up. I do think he's one of the top, top in that division and in the world. Um, and, and Marvin Vittori is still right up there. <coughs> Izzy just has his number. He just, that's the, his only, her, his only freaking, uh, roadblock has been Israel Adesanya. And that's been everybody's roadblock in that division. Uh, but I love that both those guys coming off of a loss to Izzy, both still right up there, uh, top of the food chain talent. I think they match up really well. Um, I would love that fight. I would absolutely love that fight. As I said, it's total speculation, but it does it does seem promising. Seems very promising. We don't have a date yet. We don't have an announcement. But the rumblings uh, in the industry are that that fight might be happening in the middleweight. So. If that is the case, uh, I will definitely be marking it on my calendar, 100%. And most likely, that would be a main event fight. I wouldn't be surprised. It could be like a co-main on a big pay-per-view card, um, but uh, but it may be a main event on a on a good fight night. Uh, but but I like it. I like it. Um, <clears throat> one thing that just kind of kind of piqued my interest uh, over this last week. And, and, and I feel like a lot of people, not, not a lot of people, that's probably the problem. That's kind of part of this, this whole point is um, Stipe, Stipe Miocic, just kind of, kind of being a little verbal about his frustrations, being, being verbal about his frustrations with the heavyweight division, you know, uh, they, this upcoming weekend, we're getting UFC 265. Yeah. UFC 265, Main event being the interim heavyweight title between Derek Lewis and Cyril Gaon. Um And that entire situation just does not sit well with Stipe. Um, and I totally understand his frustrations. I mean, he, he his entire argument is that he deserves, he wants a trilogy fight within Ganu, which a lot of people, they just don't want it. They're not interested in it. And, you know, and I think it's just because, you know, he's been knocked out a couple of times now from, from D.C., and from Nganu in his last fight, pretty dominant victory in Nganu's part. Um, and, and people just, I, I think they just, they feel like he, he, he doesn't have, he just doesn't have what it takes to, to withstand 
that kind of stuff, you know, that kind of, that kind of damage, I guess. And it just kind of scares people. The idea of him going back in the cage with Nganu. Um, but just on paper, I mean, over the last couple of years, one of the most disrespected, disrespected and, and, and shoved aside fighters is Stipe, in my opinion. In my opinion, he's one of the more disrespected, like elite fighters that they have in the UFC. And I don't know what it is. I don't know what it is. By all counts, he should be one of the most marketable guys that they have in the entire organization. I mean, you're talking about a guy that on paper, on paper is the most decorated heavyweight champion. And the heavyweight champion, the baddest man on the planet, I mean, it should kind of be the biggest deal. Traditionally, it would be the biggest deal to be the heavyweight champion. And he's the most decorated one that the UFC's ever had. The most decorated heavyweight champion of all time. You know, he's done it part-time, people. Part-time. You know, he's a still an active-duty fireman. You know, he, he got the belt still working a f still working a job as a fireman and you would just think that all that together that that he's, he's a fireman he's dedicated to his community you know he he's he's a high level martial artist he's he's beaten the best of all of them he's defended the belt more times than anybody all the greats all the talks about the greatest heavyweights of all time he's captured and defended the belt more times than all of them you know and it just seems like you know on in relation, you know, we're, we're being reasonable here. Like, obviously, Stipe is rich, and Stipe is famous, and Stipe is the heavyweight champion of the world. But on par with what the other superstars in the organization, how much they get marketed, the type of exposure they get, the type of praise that they get from from the organization and from the media in general, Stipe is just so far down the list. He's always been so far down the list of most marketed and praised fighters, in my opinion. This is just me. This is just me talking. But I just feel like he's one of the most disrespected guys that, 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 that they've ever had. You know, and I totally understand that if he feels that way. And all of this, you know, the kind of the point of this whole thing or the, the beginning of this whole thing was that, you know, the, uh, the, um, the head honcho over at 1FC over in Asia – Shatri something I can't remember his name but anyways he put out like a tweet or some kind of social media post kind of asking in general who should we sign next like who should we bring into the organization like who should I be looking at you know just kind of a, a post to get some engagement on uh on their social on in their um in their whole uh just their their fan engagement side of their marketing um and Stipe Stipe threw out a tweet um he's been obviously very uh felt disrespected by this whole interim title thing and the Nganu, uh, just everything about it, that he ended up kind of insinuating that he was throwing his name in the hat to be signed with 1FC. Do I think that that's realistic or that I think that he's like um, uh, being genuine when he says that, that, he, that he's interested in leaving the UFC and going over to sign with 1FC? I don't. I don't think that that's genuine. I think that that's all kind of a negotiating tactic, I think, to put pressure on the UFC, um, you know, just to make people start paying attention to why is Stipe thinking about leaving? Why are they pushing him away? Like, why are they, why are they, you know, uh, you know, why, why is this happening? But I think he just, he sees himself as the greatest heavyweight of all time, um, which he has a very, very, very good argument that we just lined out. Um, 
And yes, he just lost to Nganu, but if they're going to set up an interim title fight, why does he not deserve to be in that picture? You know, and in my in my opinion, I, I think that's probably what should happen. I think everybody wanted Lewis versus Nganu. We all kind of wanted that. We wanted Derek Lewis to fight Nganu. We wanted that rematch. It was terrible the first time go around. Both of them are on multiple knockout win streaks. They just seem destined to collide again, and we want a more definitive answer with their matchup. You know, and I just felt like Derek Lewis, it should have just, they should have just waited for the matchup with Nganu. And I would have loved to see Stipe and Cyril Gunn. I would have loved to have seen that fight. But most of this is just, it, most of this is just negotiations. Most of this is just putting pressure, putting pressure on the UFC to give him a good mat matchup or give him a favorable pay, you know, ease his frustrations with why they're, just keeping him out of the title picture. Why the greatest heavyweight of all time, he gets one one loss to Nganu, and then all of a sudden he, he doesn't deserve to be in the interim picture. Doesn't make a whole lot of sense whenever, and his whole argument about DC, you know, coming off of a knockout loss, was able to get an immediate trilogy fight with him. Um, but yeah, it's just it's just an interesting thing, and, and it's all so curated um, and designed. You know, like every one of these, every one of these tweets, any tweet you see from these big guys, especially when it comes around scheduling a fight date or or around a, uh, renegotiating a contract, half the time these tweets aren't from the fighters; they're from their management team. You know, um, you know, and it kind of it's it's kind of similar to this whole situation with Connor. Um, not overly similar, but just putting out tweets to affect the 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 scheme, the landscape of the upcoming matchups or affect the landscape of your kind of position in the rankings and your your ability to command bigger fights um which is is all the controversy going on with connor right now and throwing out his ridiculous tweets uh towards khabib you know and and you know talking about them being designed very intentional tweets to keep your name in the limelight to keep people talking about you to get, you know, to, to, to try to set up, you know, your intended matchups. Uh, but having said that, I mean, I think we all know Con Connor's to the point that there's a, a lot of the tweets that come out because he's got some of the most designed and, and well-placed uh, 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 comments and, and social posts in the game. But then sometimes we think he might get a little, you know, a little, um, well, let's say, a little coked up and just fire something off that he thinks going to work. Uh, so who knows with this one, because almost everybody, I mean, who right now is on Connor's side? Who? I don't know. I don't know who's on his side. I mean, if you didn't see the tweet, which you must not have been paying attention, uh, he just made a less than tasteful comment on Khabib's father dying of COVID, you know, not in good taste. Uh, Khabib said something about, you know, good, always triumphing evil. And, and, and Connor comes out with a tweet saying that COVID was good and his dad was evil. And almost everybody on planet earth feels like not necessary, not necessary, a little over the line. When you start bringing things up like that against, you know, the guy who retired one of the greatest and not showing any type of respect, but Connor needs to keep his name relevant, needs to keep his name relevant. Uh, you know, he, after losing to Dustin, like the title picture is just, it's kind of out of the picture for Connor. We all agree with that. We all, oh my gosh, how amateur, man. How amateur. Phone ringing. Um, but we all know he's out of the title picture. We all know that. Uh, 
so the only things that are relevant are the Nate Diaz trilogy or the Khabib rematch. And obviously with that tweet, you see he's trying to trying to egg Khabib into coming out of retirement. You know, that's all that's about. It's all it's about. It's, it's, it's obvious that that's what it's about. It's very intentional and very designed to try to, to, to build up that controversy, to try to, you know, poke the bear and get him back in. Um, but obviously we all feel like he, he crosses the line, which, you know, who's on his side, which it blows my mind, though. You'd be surprised how many people are on his side when he shows up against Dustin Poirier and the entire crowd is freaking cheering for him, roaring for him. You know, I think it just shows like he, he it doesn't matter. So many of the fans in the sport, like they are not this deep. They're not one of us. They're not they're not in our camp like they pay attention to the UFC. They see the the little bit of marketing that they give it on ESPN. They know a lot of the stars. They don't know the nitty gritty of the sport. Um, and they they know Connor. They love Connor. They think of him as the old Connor. And they're not paying attention to the deep MMA media like a lot of us hardcore fans are. And he can still sell out an arena, and he can still bring thousands of fans who are cheering his name. And when we're all wondering who's on his side, who, who likes whenever he talks shit on a man's deceased father, you know? It's, it's in super poor taste. You would think it would turn off a, a, a shitload of his fans, and it just doesn't. And it just proves how little a lot of the fans in MMA pay attention. They really don't pay attention, and they're not that deep in the world, and, and they just don't care. They just want to see blood. They just want to see exciting matchups. Uh, they love the shit talking, and they'll show up for Connor. It just is what it is. So I don't know. It doesn't really relate to Stipe at all, but I'm just talking. You get my point. You get my point about making tweets, you know? Just, you know, you get it. You get it. I'm not going to dive into it. So anyways... We had some pretty fun fights over the weekend, that was for sure. There was a pretty fun uh, Bellator card, uh, same night as a UFC fight night. Um, you know, I think it was a, it was a, probably a lot of people chose to watch the Bellator event over the fight night. I, I if I had uh, Showtime, I probably would have, um, just because the the fight night was you know less than stellar as far as on paper. It ended up being way better than we thought it was going to be. But the Bellator card seemed pretty fun. You know, you had the likes of. You know, Kassan Magomed Sharapov, who's Zabit Magomed Sharapov's brother, I believe. Um, had Usman Nurmagomedov, you know, Khabib's cousin on there. Khabib was also cornering, um, who was it? I think it was Islam Mamadov. Uh, but Khabib was there. It was a pretty big event. And then uh, had the huge uh, result in the main event from AJ McKee finishing Patricio Pitbull. Um, and it just shows you, man, I, it's good for the sport. It's good for MMA. If, if, the bigger Bellator is, I think it's good. I think it's they're, they're racking up top-tier talent over there, and you get guys like A.J. McKee, who's as good as anybody, compete with anybody in the world, you know, 18-0, I think now, just skilled everywhere, finishing, you know, Patricio, which Patricio, top, top of the food chain out there, you know, top of the food chain in any organization. So seemed like a pretty fun card, you know, some pretty good highlights off of that. Um, and then the fight night on Saturday night, uh, Hall versus Strickland, you know, this is one of those that, I mean, I'm a person, I'm a person, you know, I'm tired. I'm, I'm doing shit with my family. Uh, and I really didn't care. I couldn't have cared less about this card. I, you know, but I ended up being able to watch it, sat down, watched it. And boy, was I wrong. Boy, was I wrong. 
I mean, that's the thing, man. I, I ranted about it last week about these fight nights where you get a lot of these, a lot of these lower ranked, lower ranked fighters that they're coming to put on a show and make a name, man. Coming to sh put on a show and make a name. And you look at it, a lot of people making their debuts, a lot of lesser known fighters, you know, regular kind of run of the mill average fans wouldn't have known a single fighter on this card, probably except for Uriah Hall. I mean, I bet if you if you ask nine out of ten people that know a little bit about MMA, just a little bit, you know, that they weren't going to know half the people on this card. So on paper, it was really hard to tell what it was going to be like. Um, probably, which is why I didn't get my juices flowing because it just seemed like a run of the mill card. But boy, was I wrong. I mean, every finish on every fight on the main card was a finish, and the Jason Witt Brian Barberina was not a finish. But probably fight of the night. That could have been easily the fight of the night. Um, I mean, earlier on in the night, the the Rafa Garcia and Chris Grut, uh, Grutzmacher, Grutzmacher, oh, God, uh, that fight, holy shit, that was a fun one, too. I mean, Rafa Garcia looked like, it looked like we were done in the first. Looked like he had Chris Grutzmacher, like, out of there in the first, completely rocked, I mean, inches away from being finished, and it just shows you Grutzmacher's uh, veteran experience, like, his ability to just take damage, keep pressuring, stay composed. You know, he's had a, he's been doing it forever um, and was able to come back and just grind on Rafa Garcia, drag him into deep waters, get him tired, and, and come out with a unanimous victory. I mean, obviously lost the first and then just came back and just steadily won both the second and the third. I mean, a grueling, just dog fight of a fight. Um, super impressed from him. And then opening up the main card right after that. You think that's our dogfight of the night. And then we get Jason Witt and Brian Barberina, which as grueling of a fight as you can get, as grueling of a fight as you can get, seems like Jason Witt just has the speed, movement, wrestling advantage over Brian. And it just seems like if Brian Barberina is going to make anything happen, he's going to rock Jason Witt with a big shot. And as soon as he does, Jason Witt comes back, lands giant shots on Brian Barberina, puts him on Queer Street, I mean, both guys wobbled multiple times, both guys battering each other, getting takedowns, doing scrambles, great transitions, getting back to their feet, banging it out again on the feet. I mean, as fun of a fight as it can get. I mean, as fun as a fight as it can get, you know, and then Jason Witt was just able to do, do enough to, to, to squeak out. It was a majority decision. I think there was a 10-8 round in there, um, which caused a draw from one of the scorecards. But, man, just a, a close-fought dogfight. I mean, it, super fun, super fun. That was one of my most anticipated fights on the card as well, and I think for good reason. You, we saw why. Um, and then one of, the, uh, one of the really, really interesting fights on the main card, two guys making their, their UFC debut, Melsic uh, Bogdasarian um, fighting Colin Anglin. Um, both new guys, both newcomers, uh, pretty good records. I think Melsic was a... Was a, a Previously a kickboxer has, you know, a, a, a vast experience in, uh, in in kickboxing coming into the UFC. Um, but man, and he, you see it, you see it. I mean, as crisp of striking as you can get. And, and Colin Anglin was was did not seem like an easy opponent, you know. But Melsic just shows you like his level of experience, his level of aggression. You know, his just his his striking was on another level, and he was able to score a second round TKO over Colin Anglin. Caught him with a head kick, dropped him, and finished him. 
Super impressive win from him. I mean, a guy that we all need to be paying attention to. Big, big UFC debut. Um, most likely, a lot of, that he's going to get overlooked. That fight's going to get overlooked. I don't know if this was the biggest fight night that really got the most attention. They were competing with the Bellator card. Um, I, I, there was not a whole lot of fanfare favorites, fan favorites on this fight night, um, like I talked about before. But, man, came out and made a big statement. He's a guy we need to be watching. Melsic Bogdasarian, for sure. Um, then we had Jared Gooden and Nicholas Stoltz. You know, Jared Gooden, you know, two fights in the UFC, two losses. Had a lot of pressure on his shoulders. Seemed like we were going to have a good, tough fight. Um, Jared Gooden scores a big first-round TKO win over Nicholas Stoltz. I mean, looked good, looked sharp. Good for him, man. Good for him. Kind of probably saved his ass. Probably right there feeling like if I don't get this win, I'm probably going to get cut. Came out and performed. Made some adjustments from his last fight. You know, looked looked sharp, looked strong. Landed a big shot on Nicholas and, and was able to put him away in the first. Really impressed with him. And then uh, uh, the co-main event. You know, this fight was this, – this whole card was interesting because, like we said, there's not a lot of fan favorites, not a lot of name recognition on the card. Plus, they lost like two or three fights – one from I know they lost a the fight from COVID. I know they lost a the fight from uh, big weight miss, um, and so we were really, really kind of restricted down to just a few fights. But uh, this co-main event, which I don't think initially was going to be the co-main event, but Cheyenne buys defeating Gloria De Paula. I think it was the fastest finish in uh, in that women's division. Uh, less than a minute, giant head kick. Gloria getting up off the ground. You know, I think it was there was a little bit of controversy right there, kind of in the moment. The ref was looking to, to the, um, I guess, ringside judges or 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 or, or whoever to, to look at the replay to double check that it wasn't a head kick to a grounded opponent because as Gloria is coming off the ground, she still had her hand posted on the ground, but it's just coming off at the same time. She took a giant kick right to the face. Um, and credit to her for, I mean, it just shows you what kind of chin she had that she didn't go out from that kick. I mean, took it full on, completely unstable, completely unprotected, full on kick to the face. Um, and then obviously Cheyenne just jumped on her and finished her. Um, not, not, that, uh, not that surprising there. Super impressive win for her. I think it was a record, so good on her. Big name, uh, uh, or, you know, came out, made a big statement. Definitely somebody that uh, is going to be able to command some some fun fights after that, after that kind of a performance. And then, man, the main event, Sean Strickland and Uriah Hall. You know, nothing against Uriah Hall, but I'm definitely in that, I'm definitely in the camp of kind of believing it totally depends on what Uriah Hall shows up. You know, I mean, if, if Uriah Hall shows up like a killer, like a killer, zoned in, focused, you know, letting all of his skills loose, I mean, he's as good as anyone in the world. He's as good as anyone in the world. And if that were the case, by all means, I think he should he should walk right through Sean Strickland. But then there's the other aspect. If your eye shows up looking like, why am I here? Why am I still doing this? If if he shows up like that, it's it's hard, man. And and you I felt I felt this is just me. This is just me talking and I'm freaking nobody, you know. But it just looked like in the first round. They go back to the stool after the first round, and he just seemed done. Seemed totally done. I mean, his his body language, just it, the way that he seemed to be coming out, just seemed like 
he, he, he was wondering, why the hell am I here and doing this? And Sean Strickland is just a madman and is like, this is the only place I want to be. This is the only place I want to be. And almost in all circumstances, if, if, we're with, if we have that dynamic in the cage, the guy that is hungry lives for this and is there totally, mentally, emotionally, physically, they're there. And the other guy is just not there. I mean, what other kind of result are you going to get? What other kind of result are you going to get? You know, and I think I think your eye still deserves a hell of a lot of credit because, and I think he got his eyes fucked up too. I don't know if we ever heard a result on that, but I mean, early in the fight, early in the fight, he seemed like one or both of his eyes were compromised, um, and and that didn't do him any favors. And I totally recognize that as well. But, but man, it, it just seemed like, you know, but credit to him, like I was saying, cr- credit to him for still swinging, you know, seemingly broke, seemingly broke, uh, seemingly just not, not in the fight anymore, but shows his, his, his capabilities, his skill set, his veteran mentality to still go out there, to still avoid the big nasty shots from Sean Strickland, still swinging you know, still, still defending takedowns and not, not giving up, not totally breaking. Um, you know, I, I still give him the credit he deserves, but it just seems like it depends on which, which Uriah shows up. And it just, unfortunately for him, you know, you know, he seemed, he seemed to be, uh, he seemed to kind of, you know, trying to convince us all that he's right there trying to make that, make another run for the title. Um, but just unfortunately, what I saw in the fight, it just it, it just seemed like he wasn't there. It just seemed like he wasn't there, and and it just turned into kind of a back and forth kind of scrap uh, that Sean Strickland just ultimately threw so many punches. He he stays so active. He doesn't have the most power to really just put guys away with big shots, but he just simple. Ba- not 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 basic in the sense that it's a it's a derogatory term, but just fundamental boxing. Jab 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 one two one two jab jab one two just stays on him, stays active, good timing, crisp boxing, and just outstruck Uriah freaking ten to one, and and handily won the fight. You know, and Sean Strickland's a goofy guy, man. It's it's hard to tell how we all feel. I think. He's going to be a really uh, an interesting cat the more he gets popular because he's got a weird sense of humor. You know, I like Sean Strickland. I think he's pretty skilled. I think he deserves to be up there. He's hungry. He's pretty. He, he's got underrated ground game. He's obviously a really good striker. Um, and, and I love his mentality that he just loves to be there. He's just fighting. He wants, he wants exciting fights. But he says some crazy shit. I mean, let's be honest. We, we know that. If you pay attention to him and, and he's talking about jerking off and he's talking about – that you know he'd love to kill somebody in the octagon, which that's he's not the first person to do that kind of shit. Um, that's happened before, but you know it's interesting. You know characters like him. Uh, you know, whenever you're you're a little weird, whenever you say some crazy shit like that, uh, and 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 when you're not like totally dominating guys and not putting on big flashy finishes. You know, you struggle. It, they those fighters tend to struggle with the UFC support, and he knows that. He even brought it up. He even said, "I, I think I'm one of the last guys the UFC wants as champion." Um, but good enough, good for him that he he doesn't really give a shit. He doesn't seem to give a shit. So, pretty interesting matchups though on Saturday night. Really good performances. You know, ended up getting some really exciting finishes. I mean, the war between Jason Winton and Brian Barberina as fun as it gets. 
you know, that, that new, the, the, the newcomer Melsic Bogdasarian, I mean, definitely a guy that we need to, we need to be paying attention to. Um, and overall show Stipe some respect. That's my point. This podcast, I mean, show Stipe some damn respect. He's one of the best of all time. He's fighting fires, saving lives, being a good dude. Uh, and he deserves, he deserves your respect. So aside from that, uh, we got the big, uh, the big interim heavyweight fight coming up this next weekend. We'll be back to talk about that. Enjoy your week, and we will talk to you later.